You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. What's up, Raider Nation? The Pirate Kings return home. As Detroit was offered up as a sacrificial lamb or sacrificial lion to the black hole for the nation and the Raiders to feast on. And that's exactly what happened last Sunday. Raiders come out with the victory 31-24. What's up, Raider Nation? I'm still here. I was very busy for the last three weeks. Had some family visits and other things to take care of. And I just couldn't dedicate the time I needed to the pod. But I just want to ensure the uh, the millions out there, yeah, right, that uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'll continue on with the pod. Um, sometimes there will be times where I don't have the time to put into it. But uh, every chance I get, I'll be here. My two cents and about my what we've seen, and what I expect review. in the future, the whole thing. Everything about the Raiders. So sorry I was away for a while. I know you all missed me. But, and I don't plan on going anywhere, so just bear with me through these tough times. And there have been a few out there that have reached out by email. And once again, I thank you for all that support from the Raider Nation. And I'm glad there's some people out there that value my opinion and what I'm saying. Um, but I just can't say enough about how much it means to me, the support you guys give me. And helps me keep going. It helps me feel like I'm doing the right thing over here. Oh, one more thing. There might be some younger fans listening, and uh, I really don't recommend you be listening. There's some harsh things said on here. And I talk a lot of trash about other fans because uh, they deserve it. But one thing I'm not doing is dragging youngsters, young fans into all this. Um, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to your adult brethren out there nothing applies to the kids out there and uh i mean what kind of low life do you take me for you gotta draw the line somewhere so it'll be with the grown-up fans the grown-up idiot retard fans of your guys's fan bases that i'm speaking to not the kids but if you're a young fan listening and you like the show and your parents think it's okay um, that's great too fine with that okay i just wanted to get those things out of the way and cleared up and I got to move pretty quickly here. Got a lot to catch up on as far as the past three weeks we've missed, or I've missed on the pod. Um, real quickly, over the previous two games before the Lions, the Packers and Texans, um, Carr had the ill advised fumble at the goal line about to score. Uh, honestly, the Raiders were in that game. Packers defense was not stopping them. They could have went toe-to-toe toe -to -toe with those guys. Like I said, three scoring opportunities at or near the goal line um, should have resulted in touchdowns. And that's 21 points. Add that up, that's a 45-42 win. So that's a case where finals can be misleading. The next week against Houston, Raiders played valiantly. Actually had a lead throughout most of the game. Gave up the lead. At probably the shittiest time to give up a lead, which is in the last few minutes. But the Raiders were competitive and winning that game the entire, you know, previous to that, the entire game. Competing with the Texans in Houston. Had them beat. Could have beat them. Um, but the 
common denominator here with both games and pretty much all losses and even victories is that defense. And it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Vomit-inducing is one word. Um, I don't know what the word is for being in a padded room and scratching your face off like a psycho, but there's that feeling too. And that's hard for me to say because I look at the positives of this defense, the good side of this defense, the greatness of this defense is the run defense. And they are elite. They're one of the best run defenses in the league. But that's all offset, a mere opposite pass defense, which is one of the worst in the league. Easily one of the worst. And yes, because it's so bad, it kind of skews the numbers on the run defense side where teams are not going to run. But that's, you know, there's two sides of that. Teams are not going to run because they can't. When they find out they can pass and they have to go one-dimensional, well, that's what they're going to do. They're going to abandon the run because they can't run. 3.7-yard average per carry. Um, When you talk about, hey, the numbers are skewed because the pass defense is so bad, the one thing that remains true is that yards per carry. They're still not letting people break out. They're still not giving up big runs. But run defense is top shelf. Now, the pass defense, you know, it's a lot of parts in there, which include linebackers, pass rush, off the edge, up the middle, and covering receivers. No lanes, no no gaps, no openings. Now, obviously, that can't all be addressed in one year. So that's going to be a problem. It's going to be fixed down the road in the next year or two. But the Raiders do return home in pillaging pirate style. The nation represented well. The place was rocking. It was its usual ball of energy and madness. Raider Nation, the Oakland Coliseum, the Black Hole certainly don't disappoint. And got a big victory at home. A lot of victories in this one victory. Um, Just coming off that brutal road trip of death. The road trip of doom. Five games, one including a trip to London. Most on the East Coast. uh, In Central America. Central America. Yeah, nothing tougher than that Guatemalan and Dominican Republican road trip, especially back-to-back. Of course, I'm talking Central United States of America. Um, I know it's called something else. I just can't think of the word right now. Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Honestly, my brain's been failing me a lot lately, but uh, we move on. Um, Five games, and they popped out of that two and three. And with a victory over the Lions, after eight games, the Raiders sit at 4-4, four and four, 500. Who'd have thunk it? Certainly not the so-called experts. So at the halfway point, eight games in, like just take a quick peek back at what they've accomplished so far this season. In eight games, a 4-4 four and four record is tremendous for this team. They're growing. They're rising. Raiders are coming up. And with each game that passes, the evidence put on film... Uh, it's, it's becoming undeniable. They're going to be a problem, and people need to take them seriously. And that's after going through everything. The Antonio Brown drama before the season even started, Vontae's perfect, all kinds of things this team's been dealing with, the injuries, throwing new people in there. As an overall product, no matter who's in there, the team uh, brings a consistent level of play, a consistent standard on the field, especially offensively. 
uh, guess what? It's working. So credit to the coaching staff, credit to the rookies, credit to the personnel that drafted those rookies and brought all these players in, uh, credit to the whole team so far this season, exceeding expectations. Let's not forget that. And now here the Raiders are, sitting at 4-4, four and four, and it's Charger week. Very, very exciting time right now in Raider Nation. So let's go over some injuries, what was sustained in the Lions game, what's been nagging, and how's it affecting going into the Chargers game. Rodney Hudson, he should be ready to go on Thursday. I have full confidence that he'll be ready to go an extra week off. Um, and Andre James did fill in admirably. He did a good job, uh, unless I'm completely lying. Andre James did okay. He was serviceable. A lot of low snaps that could have gotten this team in trouble. Could have ruined some drives and some bad blocking. But he will get better as time goes on, and he's doing a serviceable job when he needs to. So if Hudson can't go, um, we have all the confidence in Andre James. Also, the other part of that, Trent Brown. You know, he had he left the game early, um, and David Sharp filled in very well for him. Expect Trent Brown to be able to go. I think what happened was he gave it a shot. He couldn't go. And Gruden saved him for the rest of that game, uh, hoping he'll be ready to go Thursday. And the thing about Trent Brown, if he's brought in specifically for games like this, Four guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, who when um, Trent Brown was signed, a lot of that talk was about how he shut down Ingram and Bosa, and there's videos of it. So him being out there is going to be an integral part of the Raiders stopping these guys. And unfortunately, the bad news about Arden Key could be lost for the season with a broken foot. And he was finally, well, he's been doing well this season. You know, he's been shutting down the run. As far as I could see, he's been the most consistent at getting pressure on the quarterback. And his last two games, he had a couple sacks. So that's a shame as he's starting to finally round into form. Josh Morrow's out. Nicholas Moreau, Morrow is day-to-day. -day. Should hopefully be ready to go by Thursday along with Daryl Worley. Morrow, Morrow. No, not Moreau. Morrow and Morrow. Let me explain real quick. Um, we have three guys on our team with similar sounding names. Josh Morrow, Nicholas Morrow, and Foster Moreau. Got it? I mean, you can tell the differences in those names, right? Morrow, Morrow, and Moreau. Okay. Oh, no, please. Call me Nuni. And you can call me Nuni. Wait, I, I'm confused. I thought your name was Nuni. No, no, no. She is Nuni. Yes, I am Nuni. He is Nuni. Nuni, right. No, no. Nuni. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Nuni. Yeah, yes, for her. But don't look at me and say Nuni. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So all of our major players, um, looks like they'll be ready to play on Thursday. But it being a short week, I would not be surprised at all if he held them out for the sake of the rest of the season, as opposed to getting injured in this one game on short rest. You know, both teams are on the short rest. Chargers have a new offensive coordinator. Not a whole lot of time to throw a game plan in, so it's going to be a go-what-you-know type situation. 
And later on in the pod, I'll get into that in the Chargers preview. Guys who are banged up, who are, you know, getting a little extra rest, recovery. Josh Jacobs, it goes without saying what he means to the offense. Jonathan Hankins as well, it goes without saying what he means to that run defense and overall defense. And Eric Harris, who I saw blow a couple coverages, and it was disappointing when uh, J.D. McKissick and Galladay are running around you. Um, but Eric Harris is a guy that continues to improve, and he's solid in a lot of other areas. So I expect everyone to be ready to go. Transactions with the team, and there have been plenty throughout the season. Keeping track of that. Um, releasing Corey Legit, which in retrospect is a really bad idea because we had to sacrifice a spot for Anthony Rush. I hope he made it to the practice squad, which he did. But a spot that could have been for him on the active roster was given to Corey Legit who's no longer with the team. And in that time, the scumbag Philadelphia Eagles came in and swooped up Anthony Rush off our practice squad. This is a guy for the future, and it's kind of upsetting that he was snatched up like that for really no good reason at all. Corey Legit is now playing with the Buffalo Bills. So I would still like to somehow get Anthony Rush back. The team also released seventh-round pick Quentin Bell, who's a project, uh, who had the size, speed. Not really the size, necessarily the size, but he had some speed and bend coming off the edge. He's definitely a project. Now he's somebody else's project. Looking at his length and speed, he might be better at the outside linebacker position than coming off of the defensive end in a 4-3 defense. Also, the signings of Will Compton and Brandon Marshall. Um, this one was very interesting. It says a lot about what's going on with Brandon Marshall. Will Compton... And Brandon Marshall was signed at the same time. Will Compton was chosen to start uh, over Brandon Marshall, who'd been throughout all training camp with the Raiders and knew Paul Gunther's system. Um, Will Compton came in a you know, few days on the team and was thrust into action over Brandon Marshall, who'd been there, like I said, the whole training camp, who had the advantage as far as system knowledge. And the Raiders ended up sticking with Will Compton and releasing Brandon Marshall once again. And this says everything we need to know about Brandon Marshall right now. And it's unfortunate. It's a shame. I would have loved to see the guy contribute the silver and black uniform uh, and especially make it to Vegas, his hometown. We were all hoping for the Brandon Marshall of old, but let's be honest. If the Brandon Marshall of old still existed, he wouldn't be unemployed right now. As far as injuries and transactions personnel, that's where the Raiders sit heading into the Chargers game. Now I'd like to go into the past couple games, what we've seen from this team, and the validation of what I've said about this team and about Derek Carr. As usual, we'll start with Derek Carr. And what can I say? He's been playing great. He's been living up to the expectations I, we expected from him. Um, what I expected to see, you have been seeing. We need to see him command this offense, make things happen, orchestrate, uh, direct, send people where they need to be, be in charge, be in command, be the general on the field. And that's all we've seen. He's out there like a maestro orchestrating this thing. It's beautiful. Putting guys in position, yelling at guys, correcting guys when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. This is what we need to see out of our franchise QB. Audibly and out of bad looks. And, of course, making accurate throws and protecting the football I have no doubt Derek Carr is our franchise quarterback for now and for years to come 
This is going to be the guy we're riding with when we're contending for titles. That includes the AFC West. That includes the AFC in general and the Super Bowl. Carr has everything he needs. And yes, it does help having a dynamic running back like Josh Jacobs. This guy's incredible. I mean, more on Jacobs later, but man, I did not want to draft this kid. And man, has he proven me wrong. This guy looks like the best running back in the NFL and has shown me why um, we need him on this football team and why he's such a major part of it. But the most important thing Derek Carr needs is a great offensive line. Any great quarterback needs to be protected. They can go without the receivers and running backs and all that, but none of them can do it without an offensive line that protects them. That is priority one. And before anyone else knew, Gruden understood that this was priority one. Looking at the offensive line coming into the season, yet there is some talent there. We had three of the five pieces. You're thinking about it. Rodney Hudson, the greatest center in the NFL. Right guard Gabe Jackson, who's one of the strongest and best guards in the NFL. And a young up-and-comer in Colton Miller on the left side, who's athletic and big, who the Raiders believe will be a great talent one day. And so far it's proving true. Colton Miller, Colton Miller continues to improve becoming solid and is becoming very good left tackle in this league. The staff believed in him, and he's rewarding that. So if you have the three pieces in place, you would need two more for that offensive line to be complete. Now when Wayne, what are we building here? What are we taking care of for first? And it's all too obvious now that the offensive line needs to be taken care of first. After all the evidence presented, it's very obvious now. But Gruden was ahead of it, and he knew how he wanted to build his team and the right way to build it. And it's proving successful. Um, adding two more players to an offensive line is a lot easier than, uh, I don't know, replacing all 11 players on defense. If he would have focused on the defense from the beginning, in hindsight, that's a bad way to approach it because it's going to take years to fix this defense. It's going to take years. And what Gruden has shown on the offensive side with his coaching and game planning Give me an offensive line, I'll make everything else happen. So we add to that line, Trent Brown. Paid him the most any tackle's been paid. And guess what? He's been worth every penny. And get Richie Incognito on a cheap contract. And all of a sudden, the Raiders have the most bruising, physical, biggest line in the NFL. And make no mistake, every defense out there is going to be scared to go against these guys. And also keep in mind, that projected starting five, that projected line, has only played 10 snaps together. And overall this season, that line has been dominant, still. So a big pat on the back goes out to Tom Cable. Coming into the season, in my mind, in a lot of people's minds, is a one weak link on the coaching staff. But the line has been playing great. He deserves all the credit. These guys are the real stars of this football team. Carr can now operate to his full potential regardless of great receivers ha yeah having the group of tight ends that we have helps mitigate the lack of continuity at the receiver position but that's a lot of working with what you got I'm glad we have the best tight end position group in the league now Carr I expect to see him in the combos with the greats in this league guys who need no excuses and are dangerous and produce even without top-notch weapons yeah Jacobs and Waller's are top-notch weapons but I'm talking about receivers so just stay within my narrative here and don't question it. No more excuses about systems and receivers. He's just getting the job done. Next key to the puzzle I'd like to look at, Josh Jacobs. 
This special, special running back continues to impress every single week. I grew up on Marcus Allen. I grew up on Bo Jackson. So for him to put on some impressive showings, you know, means it means something. Every week I see something new from him. I see something exciting, something dominant. No question this offense wouldn't be as scary without him. Numerous times I've seen him caught in the backfield, only to wiggle free, juke, shake off guys, and smash into the line for positive yards. The hesitation, the cutbacks, the explosion. He's the total package now. Right now. And he's only going to get better. In my opinion, he's probably the best running back in the league. Am I biased? Yeah. Maybe a little bit. But I don't think so. I don't think so. This is an objective view of how great Josh Jacobs is playing right now. And there's no doubt in my mind. Because I think about any other running back in this league. Is there any running back in the league that I would rather have on the Raiders than Josh Jacobs? No one comes to mind. No one. And I know there was two top running backs on display on Monday night. Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Ezekiel Elliott had a great game against a poor defense. And those holes were monstrous. Come on. His big games were uh, vision-related. Zeke has great hesitation and vision as he went to one side plenty of times, saw it clogged, and cut back past that to a big gap on the backside where no one was covering. Uh, great back, no doubt, but I'll take Josh Jacobs. Plus, I just, I really just can't stand the way Ezekiel Elliott looks. I just can't stand his face. You know, a lot of people can't. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that can't stand his face. Big square-ass face he has. And also on display, Saquon Barkley, the prototype running back coming out of college, right? Um, great size, speed, and agility. Can squat over 600 pounds. And I see this guy get to the line and dance around and meagerly hit the pile for no gain. No impact running the ball. No chance on the goal line. That's what I've seen from Saquon Barkley. The announcer even said, Barkley's a guy you need to get out in space. He can't run between the tackles. And all I could think about, every time I saw him run, all I could think about was Josh Jacobs. And wow, I'm glad we got that guy. Because he's way better, way better right now than Saquon Barkley. And it's not even close. I mean, Jacobs can run between the tackles. Jacobs can also do a lot in space. Like you can get him out in space and do and he can do a lot of damage. But he can also run between the tackles. You know, he can hesitate at the line. He's smashing the line, run between the tackles, run outside. He can do everything a quick back can and everything a power back can. I have no doubt the Raiders have the best running back in football. Quickness, a guy that combines quickness and power. There's nothing like it in the NFL. And now I'd also like to give some love to his backfield mate there, Alex Ingold, who, guess what? I think he's the best fullback in the NFL. Some of you might say I'm skewed. My blood is silver and black. But that doesn't matter. If my guy looks like crap, I'm going to say it. my guy looks good, I'm going to preach it and be proud of it. Alex Ingold is a dominant fullback as well in his first year of rookie. He is crushing people. No one wants anything to do with Alex Ingold. Right now, he's a blocking master already. He'll clear anybody out of the way. He's also vicious, and his game is very, very physical. So there you have the best backfield in the game. 
And now we look ahead to the best tight end group in the game. The number one group in the league, and it isn't hard to see why. There isn't another group performing to this level. Blocking, catching, creating opportunities for others. I said in the past, this group, this group would be like the Patriots was with their two great tight ends. We had a great and a good. It's turning out that Foster Moreau is becoming one of the best tight ends as well. The Raiders will have two great tight ends on this offense. In line, out in the slot, in motion, blocking these guys. Do it all at a high level. Versatile, fast, strong, and athletic group. And Derek Carrier is the third man in that group, and I don't want to forget about his contributions. That's all the things that have stood out to me in a positive way so far this season. And the players and groups that are on the rise that are getting better and better and better. Uh, If you'll notice, that's all on the offensive side. And also there's another little thing I want to say about that. They say in the NFL, you know, nothing lasts forever. Things always rotate around. We come back to a certain way of doing things. Now as everyone around the league is getting faster, smaller linemen, quicker linemen, pulling and all this crap, the Raiders are going back to old school, mash them up, strong, big physical football. Uh, We don't even have... Our, our main receiving group isn't even wide receivers. They're big tight ends with a massive line lining up next to a massive line. John Gruden's taking it back already, and I think he's reversing the trend a little bit of these quicker, faster, more mobile um, teams and bringing the smash mouth to them, and there ain't nothing they can do about it. So now the negatives, the bad so far this season. And what do you guys think it is? goes without saying everyone knows it's the defense the despicable maggot filled zombie corpse of a defense what else can I say but disgusting uh, puke worthy uh, bile filled performance by the defense all year I'm not talking about these effort I'm not talking about effort these guys are trying let me clarify it's the passing defense I'm talking about not the run defense which is elite they haven't given up many big runs all year. They're legit. And I'm sure the rotten pass defense contributes to the run defense's numbers, but you can see it. The defense has not given up big runs. They're consistently holding runners to one, two, three-yard gains, if not outright stopping them for no gain or a loss. So I want to give credit and props to the run defense at least, but what kills everything is the pass defense. Um, I must have blacked out last year or blocked out a lot of it because the defense this year is pretty bad uh, against the pass. And it was much worse last year, much worse last year. But the one positive for that side is already through eight games, you got 15 sacks, surpassing the total of 16 games last year of 13. Um, yeah. That's it. The Raiders still have blown coverages, wide open receivers, and so on. A couple bright spots have been Worley and his great interception. And Trayvon Mullen is looking good. This guy's going to be good. Also, Carl Joseph continues to play at a high level. He's probably the most consistent player on that defense. And Crosby, of course, is doing well. The interior D linemen are all doing what you know their job. Hankins, Hall, and Hurst have been great. So the defense just needs, I don't know, one, two, 
15 more pieces on defense, and they'll be fine. So a major overhaul is coming next year. And it's starting with the pass rush, the linebackers, and another corner. Basically the whole team, the whole that whole side of the ball. Oh, and Joyner continues to disappoint. Good news about him, I think I mentioned this before, is that you cut him after the season with no cap hit or owed money, which is probably going to happen. And I believe in Paul Gunther, Paul Gunther as a defensive coordinator. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. I'm, you know, it's been years of watching this same crappy defense give up long touchdown passes and wide open receivers running down the field. And it's a culture at this point. It's a culture of disgusting, horrible play and not knowing what the hell you're doing out there on the field. The previous regime of defensive coordinators, I mean, look, Chuck Bresnahan, Ken Norton Jr., uh, I think Jim Marshall, whatever his name was. It's been a long culture of crappy defensive, past defensive football, and the run defense too. Paul Gunther is correcting the run defense issues, but he's got to correct a whole culture of just bad fundamental play in the secondary. Honestly, the best thing Paul Gunther could have done is probably when he came in, release everyone and start fresh, new. Because anyone, any player who had been there before he arrived was corrupted by previous regimes, shitty fucking coaching. And that's all I got to say about that. Also, trades out there that didn't happen. Uh, I guess we were in line for uh, what Jalen Ramsey, um, Julio Jones, <laughs> AJ Green, you know, everyone, all all these top guys. Yeah, let's sign them all and trade away all our picks. It's a great idea, guys. Great idea. Um, I'm glad to see none of those trades happen. I'm glad to see the Raiders didn't trade a second and third for Sanders. Not like the Broncos would trade him to him anyway, but also not picking up Josh Gordon. Um, Gordon has some issues. And the last thing this team needs is another guy, another wide receiver with issues. Now, I think this locker room is fully capable of overcoming that. We don't need it. And Josh Gordon is not quite the player he was. Therefore, the risk isn't not worth it especially after the A-B fiasco. Lessons needed to be learned, and it looks like they are. And yes, the Raiders do have Waller, who's battling his own addiction, but Darren Waller needs to continue to worry about himself. Darren Waller's doing great, but he isn't cured, and he certainly doesn't need to be responsible for another addict. So the Raiders hold fast, avoid temptation, keep all their draft picks, which shows great discipline, um, especially after... This year's draft, where Mike Mayock and John Gruden hit a lot of home runs. A lot. And building this team in general, done very well. And going to next year with a full complement of picks and make that magic happen again. It's a high standard now. We're all expecting another great draft, another great draft, and a great draft every year. So, you got your work cut out for you, Mike Mayock. We're going to need five Pro Bowl defensive starters out of this next draft. You can do it. You can do it! And really, I'm only halfway joking about it. I expect a lot from these guys as far as drafting great football talent to the, for this team. Now, I here I am talking about home runs for Mike Mayock when you might say, 
Well, what about Clellan Farrell? You're going to have to miss me with that Clellan Farrell nonsense. Yes, he hasn't been living up to expectations as far as pass rushing. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing watching the tight end stonewall him. It's disappointing to see him crash the edge and not keep contain as running backs run right by him because he's out of position on the backside contain. But he is overall solid against the run and is starting to get some pressure on the QB. Some pressure. A little pressure. Okay, just one one pressure. I, I just want to see one pressure. It'd be nice. I still believe Farrell will come around. Lots of players don't make a significant impact their rookie season. You know, and, and they'll break out in year two or three. Now, I haven't seen anything from Farrell to suggest that. He's only eight games into his career and deserves the chance to grow. Kind of like the Chargers fan base. I've seen nothing to suggest that the fans will actually care about this bastard franchise. But they deserve a chance to grow. But if that new palace in Los Angeles is half empty, London, here we come. <laughs> and that's going to nicely lead us into the preview versus the Chargers. It's a Raider Charger Hell Week, everybody. And I hear a little bit, you know, the Raiders have never beaten the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, we've never beaten the London Chargers either. And what's your point? What would their name be in? Like the stadium is in London, right? Would they be the London Chargers? Maybe the Great Britain Chargers or the UK Chargers or Liverpool Chargers? I don't know. It all sounds like crap anyway. And if I were a Charger fan, I'd be very depressed and downtrodden and beat down that this is my team. There's only about like three or four of you. A lot of you claim Charger fans. You like to switch around, don't you? You know who the hell you are. You aren't real fans. But a franchise nobody wants and nobody cares about. Moving to London to be forgotten about forever. Man, I hope that happens. Alright, enough of that. Let's move on to the game. The Looking at the Chargers, they seem to be getting back on track with two big wins in a row versus the Bears. And last week... A very impressive win versus the Packers, who've been rolling everyone. Melvin Ingram returned and made an instant impact for the pass rush. The Chargers shut down the Packers, building a 26-3 lead. It was a boat race. Now, they moved Ingram all along the line. They even lined Bosa and Ingram up on the same time. Thanks for the preview of that, by the way, going into the Raider game. And they were able to get tremendous amount of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Now, is this a true measurement of how good these teams are? Packers came in with a 7-1 record and were dominated by a 3-5 Charger team. So what does that say? One, the Chargers aren't as bad as their record. Going into the season, they were considered a top-5 Super Bowl contender. They failed miserably at that. But they still boast a ton of talent, especially defensively. Two, the Packers didn't stick with the run. Only 10 rushing attempts from the running backs. The Packers have been unstoppable on offense when mixing in a balance of run and pass. Number three, Rodgers was off that day. Horribly off. He'd been playing lights out Aaron Rodgers until this game. And lastly, the ball control executed by the Chargers. Uh, with Melvin Gordon coming back, 
getting a couple touchdowns and like 80 yards rushing. Uh, seems he's getting his legs under him, and that run game for the Chargers is starting to come around. And I know um, the pass rushing D-backs has something to do with Rodgers' bad day. But Rodgers has gone against the Vikings, Cowboys, Broncos, and Bears defenses. And he's burnt those guys. Overall, an off day and underestimation by the Packers, combined with a sense of urgency and belief in the Chargers, are basically the reasons why the Chargers got such a lopsided victory, in my opinion. Now, we know what the Chargers are packing on defense. You got Bosa, Ingram, and Derwin James. James missed most of the season, and he's showing really how important he is to this defense. Uh, offensively, they still have Old Man River and his Winnebago of kids. Uh, and, you know, I have a lot of respect for Philip River. I used to hate that guy, but I just can't help but laugh at him right now. I have a lot of respect for that guy. And a wide receiver in Keenan Allen, who always gets open. Keenan, game, J.C. on Taylor Allen. Yeah, he looks just like the game. But no, he's not a rapper. And yes, his hairline is peeled all the way back like he just got scalped by Apaches. And of course, Melvin Gordon looking like he's hitting his stride right now. But what worries me the most on this offense is Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Now, Rivers has his full complement of weapons. They're looking more like the Chargers of last year, the Chargers of old. Even though they kicked Ken Wisenhunt out as offensive coordinator and brought somebody in who I don't even know his name. He's never called plays, and I don't really care to know his name right now. Maybe that comes back to bite me in the ass as he becomes a great offensive coordinator one day. But I don't think so. So let's take a look back at where the Chargers were. Seven games into the season, they're sitting at Two and five. Horrible, horrible season. Chargers were sitting at two and five and left for dead. But I've seen reports say that they weren't trading any players. They weren't giving up. They didn't believe it was over and that they could turn it around. Uh, with games versus the Bears and Packers coming up, it's a tall task. But guess what? They defeated both of them, bringing their record from two and five to four and five. A half game behind the Raiders for second place. And with a victory, will be in second place all by themselves. So now you have to believe their confidence is at a high. And they believe their turnaround will continue versus the Raiders. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that either. Um, I have complete confidence that the Raiders will win this game. These aren't the same Raiders, and these aren't the same Chargers. First off, the Raiders are now armed with a top 10 offense, an efficient, herd-moving machine that clears paths and rips hearts out of defenders right there on the field. Just rip right out on the field. Okay, just outside the top 10. The passing game is surprisingly efficient at number 15 in the league, and that's with lacking any kind of big play receivers. The rushing offense is 6th in the league and rising. The Chargers have a number six passing offense, which isn't great for that Raiders defense, but ranked number 28 rushing the ball, which plays right into the Raiders defense hands. Now, versus the Lions, the Raiders shut down a weak, uh, weak rushing attack from the Lions. They could have held them to a lot less. There's a couple missed tackles there. I think the Lions got 20 more yards rushing than they probably should have. And I know I've been slamming this defense pretty good, 
but it's not for a lack of trying. These guys do try as hard as they possibly can. And there are some good results in the middle of the last game. Usually are some results in the middle of the game. But it's in the beginning and towards the end where they have their problems. But I believe Melvin Gordon thinking he's going to run all over this football team, that's not going to happen. He's going to get shut down. Bottom line, if the Raiders shut down the run, they have a very good chance to win this game. The lesser of two evils is the only way this defense can have an atom of success. Melvin Gordon doesn't worry me. Either does Austin Eckler. I expect the Raiders' run defense to swallow these guys up. No excuses and no doubt. Austin Eckler, to me, is just like Philip Lindsley. And both guys are yawn-inspiring. Duh, whatever. I mean... They'll give you, they might get you a thousand yards one season, but they'll be looking at for the rest of their careers. They'll probably never hit it again. Might have a big game or two. Always a threat with speed. Never again will they probably hit a thousand yards in a season. In past years, those guys would get the Raiders sooner or later. Not this year. In past years, the, La- the Raiders would abandon the run game because they couldn't take the line of scrimmage. Because every time they ran the ball, there was nothing happening. Not this year. In years past, we didn't have a top running back. This year we do. The Chargers can pass with the best of them, thanks to Rivers. They're at their best when they're balanced. I mean, that's really proven in the Packers game. This is the kind of offense the Chargers want to run. And But the Raiders are going to take that run away. And the way I hear Carr talking, you know, we need this game badly. Can't forget we lost to these guys twice last year. Uh I expect them to be fully ready to play. Move that ball up and down the field as they have been. And got to cash those in with touchdowns. Must cash these drives in. Get out to a lead on these chargers. Um, forcing Rivers into, you know, catch up throwing mode. And he will get, and he's going to get points. He's going to score eventually. So the Raiders need to build a lead. And I'm not scared of the chargers defense anymore. I'm not scared anymore, ma. Not scared of them anymore with the offense we have. It can hit you with run and pass to the point where you're not knowing what's coming, and you're left guessing, and you make you look. And Derek Carr and the offense is gonna make you look foolish out there. That's what I expect Thursday night in Oakland. And short weeks for both. I know Gruden hates it. He is the best at having his team prepared to play. He needs that time to do that. I'm hoping the short week won't affect. His ability to do that. And he woke up Monday morning. Tired as hell. He was probably tired as hell. Uh, Waking up early. He was grumpy. Red ass. Uh, Talking about how much he hates Thursday night games. And how it's hard to prepare. But um, I expect this team to be as prepared as possible. As they have been in just about every game we've watched. And good coaching begats that. Team coming out ready to play. So that's what I expect to happen Thursday night, and that's what I believe will happen. Raiders win. And here at the end, I'd like to throw out a couple fantasy predictions and my prediction against the spread. Um, Starting in fantasy, number one, start the Raiders' defense. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, never mind that. Uh, Number one, start Phillip Rivers. If you have him, he's going to have a big day. I fully expect the Raiders to jump out to a lead. 
Um, and with that porous pass defense anyway, um, Rivers is going to have a big day. But I, I expect the Raiders to jump out to a big lead, thus, and the run to be shut down. And playing from behind, it's going to be full speed ahead with the passing game. And with this defense, Phillip Rivers is going to light it up. This defense has a tendency to make mediocre quarterbacks look good. Good quarterbacks look great. Great quarterbacks look like Hall of Famers. And Hall of Famers look like they belong on Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. So with all those factors, expect Phillip Rivers to have a huge day. On the flip side, do not start Melvin Gordon. I believe he's going to be shut down in this game. It's going to be a big surprise for the Chargers. You thought, you know, who think it's going to be just like the old days and Gordon's going to run right through him or catch a pass and run around him. Not going to happen on Thursday night. On the Raiders' side, start Josh Jacobs. Jacobs, the run game is going to be essential, and it's our bread and butter. It's the Raiders' bread and butter. And on a short week versus a weak Chargers run defense, Josh Jacobs is going to have a big day. Maybe a couple more TDs and over 100 yards, I believe. Um, those are my fantasy picks as far as the prediction for the game. Uh, I believe it's Chargers minus one. I believe the Raiders will be more prepared for this Thursday night game and are motivated now looking with a real shot at the playoffs. And losing to the Chargers, uh, the will to win, I believe, is going to be in this game. They are very motivated to not lose the rest of their home games this year and make the playoffs. I think, And they know how huge of a game this is towards that end. I believe they'll come out with a victory. Raiders plus one on that one. To me, it's too easy. And with that, I end the, the pod. It's Charger Hell Week, everybody. Let's kick that powder blue ass all the way to London. The Raiders need to shut down Melvin Gordon and punish Phillip Rivers. I expect to see that happen. And also make Bosa and Ingram non-existent. This season is taking a turn, Raider Nation. We are now in the hunt for the playoffs. And this game is important. And it will be a huge step to where we're trying to go. So let's go. Let's get ready. And as always, keep it silver and black. There's only one nation, baby. I'll see you guys next time. Back at home, we play with relentless effort. We don't lose here, you feel me? Not one more time, we don't lose here. Bring it up. We don't three. One, two, three, three. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Yeah.